You're now listening to Stouffville Pentecostal Church Audio Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Our message today was preached by our lead pastor, Pastor Jeff Laird. Have a listen. We have been uh, into a series called Your Kingdom Come, and uh, I want to continue that today. With a, I, want, I titled my sermon, Your, The Kingdom is Advancing. The kingdom is advancing. I was, uh, uh, Helen and I were at a couple of different um, uh, funerals this week, and one in particular uh, just really touched me. It got me thinking about the kingdom. I'm preaching about it, so you're constantly thinking about it, but we were at a funeral of uh, my aunt's um, second husband, uh, long story, but uh, he, he passed away, and he was 95 years old, and he loved the Lord dearly, served him with all of his heart. He has 11 children and raised them all in the church. In fact, his grandson got up and said, one thing I know to be true about my grandfather is that he's read the Bible cover to cover a minimum of 120 times. This is the kind of testimony that his grandchildren were getting up and Saying, and it, you know the kind of life that when you hear, you hear people talk about, even if you didn't know the man, you just left inspired? You know, you ever been to a funeral like that? And you go, this person was a great person, you know? And it was one of those moments. But it just got me thinking about the kingdom. We talked last week that the kingdom is already, but, but it is still yet to come. Already, but not yet. And I, I got thinking about, a man like him who'd served God all of his life, who knew the Bible, who believed every word of it, who was excited to go home to see Jesus. What kind of kingdom experience is he experiencing at this very moment as we speak? And it just got me thinking about what is yet to come and how blessed, truly blessed we are to know the Lord. Amen? It is a powerful, powerful thing to die with hope and to live with hope and for hope never to leave us. When we say his presence never leaves us, you have to understand his hope never leaves us either. He is with us now, and he will be with us for all of eternity. We simply move, but his hope and his presence and his love and his power stays with us. The kingdom of God is advancing. I want to get into it today. Uh, Just want to start by reading one verse in Matthew chapter 11, verse 12 says this, and from the time John the Baptist began preaching until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and violent people are attacking it. It's it's uh, a little bit of an odd verse. Some of you old timers, you King Jimmy people out there, you'll know it. And the kingdom of God suffereth violence. Come on. And the violent take it by Yeah, and the violent, take it by force. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I know that one. Um, This is an interesting verse, uh, and it's it's been debated uh, throughout the years about the exact meaning of this verse, but the way that all the new translations translated, the NLT, the NIV, etc., etc., is like this, that it's not... It's that the kingdom of God is being attacked. 
that the kingdom of God is forcefully advancing, but as the kingdom forcefully advances, the enemy, the enemy attacks. That makes sense, correct? That the enemy comes against what God is trying to do. And I think we see it all the time. When God starts to move, the enemy will do all he can to attack it. He'll do all he can to stop it. He'll do all he can to wreck it, to just turn people away. He'll do everything he can. He'll pull out every trick in the book. And we've seen it. All of us have seen it who have walked with the Lord. We know that these things happen. And this verse is really cool because it, it's, he's saying, Jesus says, listen, from the time that John the Baptist started to preach until now, the kingdom has been forcefully advancing and the enemy is attacking it. This is something unique in the history of the world that John the Baptist shows up. He begins to walk around in his, in his crazy outfit, dipping grasshoppers in honey, you know, chewing stuff, and a bit of a weird dude. But one of the things that he says is his message is this, repent, for the kingdom of God is near, right? It's coming, repent of your sins, get right with God. And Jesus says, listen, from the time John the Baptist began to preach that message, the kingdom started to advance. Why? Because people started to believe it. They started to buy into it. They started to get right with God, fix their sin, and started living their lives the way that they should have. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the kingdom is advancing in a way that it hadn't in, in, in a long, long time. And so, is the enemy just going to sit on a lawn chair and let that happen? No, of course not. So, as, as John the Baptist arrives and, begins to, and, begins, and he begins to preach the kingdom of heaven and repent, Jesus says, listen, and then Jesus follows right up on his coattails and arrives. And so, all of a sudden, the kingdom is really advancing. Jesus is doing all kinds of stuff, right? We, we talked about last week, when miracles occur, when, when, when things supernaturally are occurring in our lives or in our world, it's because the kingdom is breaking through. Remember that it's, it's breaking through, that the prayer, your kingdom come, is a now and a later prayer. It's your kingdom come, Lord, in my life. Your kingdom come in the lives of my kids. Your kingdom come in our church. Your kingdom come in our town. Your kingdom come, Lord. We need your kingdom to break in, break through, save people, do great things, touch people, save people, break addiction, set people free. It's kingdom stuff, right? It's the kingdom breaking through. So all of a sudden, Jesus is on the scene, and the kingdom is breaking through. Jesus' very first sermon he ever preached, he, talked, he said these words, the kingdom of God is near you. Draw near to God. Repent. He started repeating the same lines that John the Baptist started to say, his very first sermon. And you know that miracles start to happen. Jesus is walking around and miracles are following him. All kinds of people are being set free. Demon-possessed people are being set free. Lame are walking. Blind eyes are being, are being opened. All kinds of great things are going on. Lives are being changed. And of course, in all of this greatness, and in all of this display of power and the kingdom breaking into the earth, the enemy is doing all he can to forcefully attack it. He's throwing John the Baptist into prison. 
He's getting the Pharisees all riled up to nag Jesus and all the stuff that led to the cross. See, what the enemy doesn't get sometimes is that he's being used (laughs) by the higher power named Jesus. He thinks he's doing something to mess something up, but all the while he's being used to forcefully advance the kingdom in a weird way. See, it's still true today. When the kingdom of God starts to break through, watch out for the work of the enemy. Church, it's a warning to us. Take it and receive it today. When God starts to do great things in a church, the enemy will do all he can to destroy it. He'll, he'll, get, he'll get, you know, uh, two ladies arguing over something in the lobby, two men over here, or two families, or a young person getting mad at somebody, and then the two moms get involved, or the two dads, and all of a sudden he'll start sowing, right? Little seeds of disunity, little, little, little seeds of doubt, like, what is the church really doing? Is the pastor really? You know, like all these kinds of things, right? You know, this is what happens, right? This is exactly what happens. So, it, but here's the great thing. You can always tell the kick you're given by the kick you get back. So if the devil starts to kick, it, it's a good sign that you've been kicking him and he'll kick back. And it, when, when, the, when the kingdom of God begins to forcefully advance, then the kingdom of darkness will forcefully attack it. And so we must be aware of that truth. But here's the good news today. All of that to say this, then I'll sit down. No, I'm lying. But uh, all of that to say, the good news is this. I will sit down eventually. <laughs> the good news of the gospel is that Jesus has won the victory on the cross. Amen? Amen? That the enemy is defeated and that the kingdom will continue to advance and he cannot stop it. Amen. Right? We have some battles left to fight. That is true. But the war is won, my friends. The end has already been decided and the kingdom is already and still yet to come in power. He cannot stop it. One day the kingdom will arrive in all of its fullness and all enemies are defeated. And the four S's that we talk about, these are four S's, sin, Satan, sickness, and suffering All will come to an end, for none of those things are a part of the kingdom of God. None of them will enter the kingdom of God. None of them will be in the kingdom of God in any way, shape, or form. Sin, Satan, sickness, and suffering will be gone forever. And the King of kings and the Lord of lords will be seen by every eye. And there will be no doubt who the winner is and who the victor is. In Matthew chapter 13... I want to show you this because all of these little parables that Jesus, he rips off a a bunch all in a row in Matthew chapter 13. And all of them really speak about the kingdom advancing. So here's the first one. Uh, This one is about uh, wheat and weeds in Matthew 13 verse 24. It says, here's another story Jesus told. The kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who planted good seed in his field. But that night, as the workers slept, his enemy came and planted weeds among the wheat and then slipped away. When the crop began to grow and produce grain, the weeds also grew. And the farmer's workers went to him and said, Sir, the field where you planted that good seed, it's full of weeds. Where did they come from? 
An enemy has done this, the farmer exclaimed. Should we pull out the weeds, they asked? No, he replied. You'll uproot the wheat if you do. Let both grow together until the harvest, and then I will tell the harvesters to sort out the weeds, tie them into bundles and burn them and put the wheat in the barn. Here's the first one, the first story he tells in Matthew. The kingdom is like, a farmer who goes out and sows good, good seed. The kingdom is going to grow. Here's what he's saying. The kingdom is going to grow in advance despite what the enemy does. He's going to try everything he can, but it will not stop the seed from growing. Do you understand? It will grow. There are two opposing kingdoms, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Satan, and they coexist, he's saying, at the same time. The wheat and the weeds grow up together. God plants the good seed and then the enemy comes along and tries to wreck the crop by planting weeds. And you can't, and he says, listen, you can't just pull up the weeds without damaging the crop. So don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Let them grow together. But at harvest time, things are going to get sorted out. That's what he says. Things are going to get sorted out. He knows the difference. He's a real good gardener, unlike myself. He knows the difference between wheat and weeds. It is very clear. There is no doubt in his mind that the wheat goes here and the weeds go here. There's no doubt. So despite the enemy trying to ruin the crop, it's going to continue to grow. And at the end, God will sort it out. It's not your job. It's his job sort it out. So he says the kingdom of God is like this wheat and weeds. The next, he says, the next one is uh, mustard seed and yeast, Matthew 13, 31. He says, here's another illustration Jesus used. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed planted in a field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of garden plants. It grows into a tree. And birds come and make nests in its branches. Jesus also used this illustration. The kingdom of heaven is like like the yeast a woman used in making bread. Even though she, she put only a little yeast in three measures of flour, it permeated every part of the dough. Says this is what the kingdom is like. It's advancing. It's expanding. Ah ha ha, yeast, expanding. Get the pun. Uh just came to me, that was a moment of inspiration, right? The kingdom of God starts small like a mustard seed. It's the tiniest of all seeds. But one day it grows into a mighty huge tree, right? It's expanding, it's growing, it's multiplying, it's getting stronger, and the enemy cannot stop it, right? There's no barriers, no hindrances, No trick trap of of anybody on this planet or off of this planet can stop the seed from growing into a powerful tree. It will consistently grow, and it will become the largest thing that you've ever seen. That's, that's, That's what the parable says. It starts with this tiny seed, and then it becomes the largest plant in the whole garden. It's going to get big, my friends. Every tongue, tribe, and nation, red, yellow, black, and white, we will gather around his throne and it will be the biggest gathering 
the world has ever seen. It is a day that is to come. The kingdom is growing. It will be like yeast, he says, that permeates, the great word, it permeates every part of the dough. Nothing will be outside of its reach. Nothing will not be touched or affected by its power. Just a little bit and it will spread. Everything will be touched. It will not miss any corner. It will go everywhere. It will touch everything. The kingdom is expanding. This is, this is his point today. The next one is treasure and pearl, th- Matthew 13, 44 to 46. It says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again, and he sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and he bought it. Two stories that he ties together. Seeking the kingdom should be the highest priority for a follower of Jesus. This is, get get this, it's very, very clear. He says, the man discovers a treasure He sells everything he has so that he can get the treasure. A man discovers the finest pearl. He sells everything he has so that he can get the pearl. It is the thing that they go after. It is the highest priority. And so the kingdom is like that for us. It is our treasure. It is our pearl of great value. It is our our amazing, amazing uh, thing that we place our highest value on. There's nothing more valuable and there's nothing more worthwhile to pursue than the kingdom. And Jesus taught this principle, by the way, multiple times. It's not just here. Remember, in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 6, one of the more famous verses in the Bible, he says says this, Seek first, what? The kingdom. Seek first the kingdom could have said anything, but he said, seek first the kingdom. Why? Because that's your highest priority. Get that right, everything will right. It's like those illustrations, you know, of big rocks and then little rocks and then sand and then water. And then, hey, what's what's the point? It said, if you don't get the big rocks in first, right, you'll never get them in. He's saying, get the big rock in. This is the highest priority. Seek first the kingdom. And then, and then in the same way, by the way, like we talked about last week, the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6. He says, remember I said it's a pattern that we can base our prayers on. Start by, by understanding that we're in a close relationship. We can express to him our, that he is our father, that we can go boldly into the throne room. Jesus says, our father right? He's our father. And then what? Oh, Lord, help me, help me, help me, fix my, fix me, fix it. No, no, don't get there first. You'll get there. Calm down. Calm down. What's the message he says? Our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, right? What? Your and your will be done. And then he moves on to focus on you. You focus on you too fast. We start by focusing on God. 
We start by recognizing that he's a father who loves us and wants to help us and who joyfully receives us into his presence. And then we start to focus on that and say, God, I want your kingdom to come. I want your will to be done. I want you to be first. I want you to be highest priority. I want your ways, your, 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 you know, your will, your message, your love, your will for me, your touch on my life. I want that more than anything, God. This is the highest value. Seek first the kingdom. And then he teaches it in his prayer. It multiple times Get the connection. He wants us to get the connection. The kingdom is priority. It is our highest priority. It is the treasure that's worth selling all you have to get. It is the pearl that is worth selling all you have to get. Seek first the kingdom. Put it in priority. Get it first. And he teaches it again in the Lord's Prayer. It's, it, it happens again. So he's saying, listen, the kingdom comes first put it first then move on and ask him for your needs then move on and ask him for strength to overcome temptation then move on with all of our lists of wounds and things that we need his help with he's those things are beautiful to pray they're not wrong to pray don't get me wrong the point is is make sure that you don't skip the first half of the prayer he said pray like this and then gave us this beautiful example to follow. So it's right there in Matthew chapter 6. So we seek the kingdom first because it's the most valuable. It's the treasure. It's the pearl. It's worth more than anything else. And, and, and the whole point of that is this, that if you're experiencing the kingdom, if you're putting the kingdom first, if, if, you're, if, you're, getting, if, you're, if, you're, if you're sort of in sync with its power, what does it say in, in Romans, right? The kingdom of God is what? Righteousness, peace, and joy. These are three qualities that he says are in the kingdom. So if you're experiencing the power of the kingdom, the joy of the kingdom, the peace of the kingdom, the righteousness of the kingdom, then guess what? You're in really good shape to get everything else right. Mm -hmm. That's what he's saying. Get that right. Don't worry about a car. Worry about finding an apartment. Worry about what school you got to go to or what I need to do and all the details. Of course, he cares about the details, but he's saying, get the big rocks in first. All the other stuff, I will lead you. I will guide you. I will give you the peace, the joy, the power, the righteousness, the wisdom that comes from the kingdom. Everything will fall into place if the kingdom is priority, right? If we have the abundant life that the kingdom can give us now, we don't need to sweat the small stuff. Someone said yes. Just receive that today. That is the truth. So, that's it. Next one. Fishing net, Matthew 13, 47. This is the next one he says. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a fishing net that was thrown into the water and it caught fish of every kind. When the net was full, they dragged it up on shore, sat down, and sorted the good fish into crates, threw the bad ones away. That is the way it will be at the end of the world. The angels will come and separate the wicked people from the righteous. Ooh. But here's the thing. The good fish 
are sorted out from the bad ones. That's an obvious right part of the story. But something that I think people miss about this story, and get this now, okay? No, I want you to notice that the good and the bad fish are in the same net, okay? And, and I'm going to explain why I kind of think that's important. The separation is not between the fish who are caught in the net and the fish who are outside of the net. The separation comes from the fish who are in the net. And there are good and bad fish in the same net. And so there are many people. There are many people who come under the influence of the kingdom. There are many people who hang around with kingdom people. The bad fish are hanging around with the good fish. But not everybody is a real disciple. Not everybody is a real follower. You mean I go to church and, I, and, I, and, you know, and it, it doesn't give me the, like the, the free ticket to heaven? No, it doesn't, actually. It doesn't. Coming to church is a good thing, a very powerful thing for all of us. But that's not the deal. Uh-huh. He has to be our Lord. He has to be our master, right? Jesus said these very powerful words in Matthew chapter 7. Put it up for me. It says... Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. Do you know how sobering? these verses are? There are people who hang around the kingdom but who have never really surrendered their lives to the king of the kingdom. He's not ever been made Lord. Jesus said, I never knew you. He said, the good and the bad fish are pulled into the same net. Not every fish in the net is good. It still has to be sorted. And he knows the difference. They, they, we have people who love the social aspect of, of, of church and kingdom people. We have people who come because they're hoping to get free handouts and free coffee. We have people who come who love the blessings of the kingdom, but they don't love the one who gives out the blessings. I know this is really harsh. But this is the truth. This is what he's saying, right? We have to deal with this in an honest way. This is a powerful reminder that we have to love the giver more than we love the, the, his gifts. Jesus says, talk is cheap. It's, the, it's those who do the will of my Father who enter, you know, People who are doing the will of the Father, it's not a workspace mentality. We, we don't work to earn our salvation. We work for the kingdom because we love the king and we want to serve him, right? And there's a huge difference. There's a huge difference. I serve because I love him. I serve because I want to. I serve because I recognize that he's worthy of all my gifts. Of everything that he's given me, I can only give back a little bit. And he's worthy of so much more, right? I don't do it to earn his love, and I don't do it to earn his favor, and I don't do it to earn salvation. I do it because I love him. 
And yes, there's favor and blessings that come with serve, but people can get that messed up, and, and you, you know. It, we are saved by faith, and then we work for the kingdom because we want to, not because we, we're forced to, to earn something, right? So he's saying, listen, this is a powerful, powerful reminder. We've got to love the king more than what the king gives We've got, Jesus says, it's those who do the will of the Father who enter. And so listen, he even goes on to say, there will be some who will even operate in the gifts of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. For all us Pentecostals, there'll be people out there who will be pr- prophesying. There'll be people out there who will be laying hands on people and healing and great things will occur. The kingdom will break through. But yet they're far from God. It's hard to imagine, isn't it, in a way? It's a warning to us all that we have to be legit in our relationship with Jesus. If if we are not authentic, he knows. (laughs) And we're going to get sorted out in the end. So we have to be legit. God will sort it out. You see, the gifts... Of the Spirit, I don't want to get into it too much, but the gifts of the Spirit, they say, right, are without reproach. That sometimes in His mercy, you know, there's certain sort of basic principles that still work. Like people who don't know the Lord, if they're generous and give, right, there's a blessing that comes with that. That's just a basic principle. And it's the same kind of a thing I see with the gifts. The gifts just operate because it's, it's, it's God who's behind the power of the gifts. It's God who's speaking. It's God who heals. It's God who's giving us the ability to do this. And so sometimes people who aren't legit can still flow in these things and blessing can happen in the lives of other people and good things can happen, but it does not legitimize somebody's relationship with God. And this is the, this is the sobering reminder for us all. I also believe, by the way, that someone can only operate in the gifts of the Spirit so long if they're not legit before the gift is removed and somebody's exposed. Because he, 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 won't, he won't stand for fakeness forever. And that will come to an end. So he's saying, but there'll be people who stand in front of me and say, Lord, I prophesied. Lord, I, I did miracles. Lord, I served you all of my days. And he'll say, you never served me. I never knew you. I don't know who you are. You were always serving with your own agenda, with your own motive, making, trying to make you king. You were never surrendered to the king. and You were never part of the kingdom. And this is a sobering reminder to us. The kingdom is advancing. The enemy is going to do all he can to try to stop it, to try to wreck it, to try to turn us to the left and to the right. He's going to plant people who are not legit. He's going to do things that are going to make us question things. He's going to throw weeds in the midst of the good crop. He's going to have bad fish in the same net as the good fish. He's going to do everything he can. But the good news is this, because we want to end powerfully today. Someone said yes, right? The kingdom is advancing. The kingdom is growing, and the enemy cannot stop it. So be aware that he's a loser. Be aware that his his ploy and his tricks 
can be seen and deciphered and understood and said, I see what you're trying to do, but you are a defeated foe. I am a, I am, I'm a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, and we will advance, you will lose, and we will win, here and now to come. This is the message that, and the power of the kingdom that we must carry. He is attacking the kingdom. He is trying to stop people from advancing, but he can't. The kingdom is already and it's yet to come. And we can experience the power, the beauty of the kingdom right here, right now. He said, Jesus said, we talked about it last week, the kingdom is among you, he said. It is among you right now. And so we desperately need his kingdom to come. We desperately need his kingdom to break through into our world and into our situations that, that need miraculous touches of God. He sent out the 72 in Luke. We said last week, Luke chapter 10. And he said, go out and heal the sick, do miracles. And when they occur, he said, tell them the kingdom is among you. That's what he said. And so the 72 go out and all of a sudden demonic people are being set free. People are being healed. Miracles of of mind-blowing proportions are going on. They come back to Jesus and they say, it was unbelievable. They, we saw miracles. Uh-huh. Jesus going, yep, yep, yep. I told you, you know. Heal the sick and tell them the kingdom is among you. When something breaks through like that, there's only one person who can break through. It is the stronger man who's breaking into the strong man's house and plundering his goods like we talked last week, right? The kingdom of God is near you. We are citizens of this kingdom. It is here, it is now, it is with us. The kingdom is advancing and we are a part of it. There are battles to fight, there is effort that is going to need to be made, but the end result is sure. We win, we win. So be courageous, child of God. Do not Do the work, for he is with us. The kingdom is among us, and he will see to it that the work is finished correctly. He will see to it that his kingdom advances. He will see to it that you have all you need to succeed. Put the big rocks in. Seek the kingdom first. Don't sweat the small stuff, and let God be glorified in and through our lives. This is the message of the kingdom. The kingdom of God triumphs, and the enemy is defeated. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, we just, I just mentioned it, who, who is it that can enter into the strong man's house and plunder his goods? It is only done by someone who is even stronger, who can go in and tie him up and then take what he wants. His name is Jesus. He can take back what he stole from me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Take back what he stole from me. Right? Don't get me going now. That's like 90s stuff, but come on, that's good. But it's truth, right? He goes in to the strong man's house. He ties him up and he plunders him. Who can do that? Only somebody who is stronger. And that is not me, that is not you, his name is Jesus, the king of the kingdom, 
The one, the one, only one. So listen, we take back what he has stolen from people. He, people that were demon-possessed, Jesus said, go into the kingdom of darkness and rescue that person. Bring him back. Plunder the strong man's house and save that person. Take back your joy. Take back your peace. To your health, our strength, our passion, our courage, our faith. He's stolen it all from the church at times and from our people. And we've got to stand and say, you are defeated. I am a powerful citizen of the kingdom. It is not by might, it is not by power, but by the spirit, says the Lord. And the kingdom is strong. The kingdom advances. The strong man is defeated and tied up by one who is even stronger. It has to be that we approach it that way. We approach it so soft. We approach it like we're defeated, like we have to beg. What are the qualities of the kingdom? Peace, joy, health, strength, life. Abundance. It's ours. The kingdom does not lose. Do you understand? The Leafs lose. They won last night. All my Ottawa people, I'll give them the gears later this afternoon. But there's only one who never loses. It's only one. He's never lost. One day, one moment, one thing. He's never lost. Never will. The kingdom does not lose. Understand this, though, too. Not only does the kingdom not lose, but the kingdom does not back down. Right? The kingdom is not afraid. It's not afraid. You have a giant strong man and a three-year-old child who's threatening a 250-pound man. And he's like, uh, kid, uh, I'm not very afraid of you. Do you understand it's not even close is my point. It's not two strong men fighting. It's a giant dude seven foot tall fighting a child who's a foot and a half and who's trying to grab a hold of his ankle. It's not close. We, we, we think it's close. The enemy is powerful. But it's not close, my friends. Do you understand? It's not close. It's not close. It's not close. Say it with me. It's not close. It's not close. It's not even close. It's not even remotely close. He shakes him off like a dead fly in a windowsill. Poof. Do you understand? It's not close. The kingdom does not lose. It does not back down. It is not afraid. It will advance. It always will advance from the days of John the Baptist until now. The kingdom of heaven is forcefully advancing. That's what Jesus said. It is still forcefully advancing. It is spreading across our globe. Every person is going to be permeated with it. Some will reject it. Some will receive it. Some will try to fake their way in. But it will get sorted out in the end and the kingdom will continue to forcefully advance. It is always going to be that way. It is our destiny. It is 
just something that cannot be reversed or stopped or slowed down. We are Team Jesus. Do you understand? We are Team Jesus. We have a captain on high who never loses. We can win now, right now. And we will ultimately win big in the end. It is not close. That's not in my notes. That was just, a, that was just inspiration. It's just, it's just truth today. It's just truth. Okay, so we've got to wrap up. Two verses, two, a uh, couple of verses here. Revelation, here's the end now. Revelation chapter 17. The ten horns of the beast are ten kings who have not yet risen to power. They will be appointed to their kingdoms for one brief moment to reign with the beast. They will agree to give him their power and their authority. Together they will go to war against the lamb. Here we go now, come on. But the lamb will defeat them because he is Lord of all lords and king of all kings and his called and chosen and faithful ones will be with him. Look at Revelation chapter 19, a couple of verses later. John says, then I saw heaven open and a white horse was standing there. Its rider was named Faithful and True for he judges fairly and wages a righteous war. His eyes were like flames of fire and on his head were many crowns. A name was written on him that no one understood except himself. He wore a robe dipped in blood and his title was the word of God. The armies of heaven, dressed in the finest of pure white linen, followed him on white horses. From his mouth came a sharp sword to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron rod. He will release the fierce wrath of God the Almighty like juice that flows from a wine press. On his robe at his thigh was written this title, King of Kings and Lord of all lords. This is who he is. Does this sound like somebody who's afraid? He's not afraid. Oh, he's not afraid. I think sometimes Jesus must get excited just to say, let me at him, Father. I'm ready to win right now. And that great day is coming. And we got to make sure that the king is known to us. That we are surrendered and legit and authentic in our relationship. That we love him more than what he gives us. And we're thankful for all he's done. That we are legitimately team Jesus. That he leads the charge and we follow behind him. He wins everything he touches. King of kings and Lord of all lords. Thanks for listening to the Stovall Pentecostal Church audio podcast. For more information about Stovall Pentecostal Church, including service times, please visit our website at www.spcfamily.ca. Have a good week and God bless.